0: Hey, hey, ho, ho, good morning. This is Aisha Elliott and Black Girl from Eugene coming at you. So again, this is going to be uh, um, not a long note for you, but it will be a note nonetheless. And uh, you may hear my grandchildren in the background because... This woman has been at home packing, 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 um, because I'm preparing to depart this uh, country for good. However, even with my departure, uh, physical departure, I will still be working and, and fighting for the injustices that I have lived my entire life. Um, so I will be doing my work um <clears throat> my executive advising and my podcasting and my writing and all of those good things still happening in the United States at 110%. Uh thank goodness for virtual living. Um so anyway, I hope all is well, but I'm gonna get into something real quick that has been on my mind heavy. And I don't want to repeat what I was saying last week, but I kinda am, in a way, sort of, from a different angle. You know how I do. So, you know, I, I'm i just a little shook about, um, you know, performative allyship. Yeah, we're going to get into that because um, it's a problem. Not only is it a problem, but it is like discouraging and disempowering and um, some weird sense of disenfranchisement in a way. Like there's just this weirdness um, that, I, man, white folks are so inventive in how to get out of something uncomfortable. They're like the Houdinis of like, this is uncomfortable and I'm out. That right to comfort is just like a damn reflex. I mean, it just, you can't get past it. It's like that left jab, like, you know, the, 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 the you know, dodge and weave. White folks got that down pat. So, you know, I want to get into it a little bit because allyship, is not to be taken lightly. And allyship is not something that you all white folks can actually ascribe yourselves to. Black and brown communities have got to name you an ally. And how to become an ally is not on your schedule. It's not on your a list of how it should be done, or I've done it for this long, so now I'm obviously an ally. You are not obviously anything, okay? That's what I want to tell you straight up right now. What you are obviously doing is working some things out for yourself, okay? So that's what you really have got to understand. Racism, yet again, is actually not about black and brown people. It's about white folks and privileged people and their their inability to open up the resource, uh, the access to resource, their inability to release their need for control and power. Whether they know it or not, it's been socialized. It's about internalized superiority. It's about a level of the way it's been done, and, and we don't understand how we got here. It's all of that, right? Right? Black and brown people, we've been surviving this the whole time. You know, being flexible, moving, trying to reinvent, trying to stay on top, trying to stay alive, trying to stay relevant to our own families and our own culture, whilst being forced to assimilate to white supremacy culture. We've lost a lot of people, y'all. We've lost them. But you know, we have, we're, we're coming back strong. So this is what I'm trying to say about performative allyship. We cannot allow white folks who have gotten comfortable with the vernacular, who have gotten comfortable with the vocabulary, who have gotten comfortable with Resmé's book, to believe that that is what it took to get past whatever realization they came to in 2020. We cannot allow people to walk around presuming that that was what they needed to do. Do you understand, and I want you to understand quite clearly, Anti-racism requires a deep, and I'm talking deep, reflection of who you are internally. Who you are internally. Your investments in the hardest pieces. You ever heard that saying? You don't know who you are until you've been tested, right? It's the same thing with anti-racism. You don't know how deeply invested you are into someone else's well-being until someone asks you to get uncomfortable about it. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you are failing. A lot of you are able, like I said at the beginning, the Houdini's of, you know, I can do this and I can do that. And it's still, you know, maybe I can still be anti-racist and, but still kind of do this thing over here. You cannot. You cannot. They are not separated. The little, the little diddly daddlies you're doing over here that, that still perpetuates racism is still hurting your own efforts to act like or to be anti-racist. Right, it's people like, what am I doing? What what can I do? The thing is, is that what aren't you doing is letting go of what serves you most, and that's comfort. You know, I'm not talking about comfort of like, oh my God, it hurts to watch this. I'm uncomfortable because I don't like to see murdered people. Nobody does if you have a, a sense of humanity in your body, but that doesn't make you anti-racist. Right? What makes you anti racist is the ability to be able to come through and and look at an institution, right? The hardest piece of what we do, the background of what we do, and then say, oh crap, are you anti racist? I'm giving you money. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my face, my, my optics. I'm giving you a sense of. of accomplishment in your business and you aren't anti-racist. But damn, I really like the clothes you build. I really like the party you throw. I really like the pizza that you make. So I am just going to go ahead and pretend like this one time that I buy this pizza, it's not going to be too bad because God, the pizza is so good. It's only one time, you know, I was really pissed that you didn't put that Black Lives Matter sign up in 2020. But you know what? It's 2022 and I'm tired. And I know it was probably pretty hard. Damn, was it that restaurant that did it? I forgot. Oh, well. Their waffles are really good. We'll just go ahead. Just one time. It's not a big deal. That's cognitive cognitive dissonance. That's the right to comfort. That, my friends, is privilege. Because it doesn't directly affect you. Matter of fact, you taking your money out of these and disenfranchising these businesses, you don't even see really, really how it's connected. Or maybe you do theoretically, but the fact that you can't get your coffee or that you can't get, you know, good to that one spot that you've always been to, you're like, damn, can I see it directly affecting black and brown people? Can I see it directly affecting them? I don't. What I mean in my heart, I know it matters, but does it really matter? This two dollars. The thing is, is that that's just the mechanics. I'm talking about the moral disconnection that performative allies have. This is not about a cookie for you. This is not about a star for you. This is not about a hey. I was at that march. My hair got wet. My feet got cold that that minimal discomfort is not what we're talking about allyship is consistent allyship shows up with no need for award or recognition allyship is decentered meaning that the work is there because you have access and the the group that you are assisting has has requested your Access and you have given it and allowed them to lead. Ha- them to lead, meaning that you don't have a piece in that. What you have a piece is is the backdoor key to the access and to the resource. That's what you have, right? You know, and some people just just quite don't understand you going to places and putting your money into places and putting your hard earned, uh, you know, um, energy into places to wear your Black Lives Matter shirt in those places, I can't even tell you how little of an effort that is. It's cute. Don't get me wrong. It's cute. It does nothing. Because what you did is just paid $55 to that racist institution to tell them that they're racist. Guess what, sis? They know. Okay? They know. The homie that told you about it, who works back there, who said, yeah, these people are such such jerks. They don't even, you know, the, the marginalized communities, they come and they come and they come and they just like back them. They just under the rug, round file that. And then you go, oh, I'm going to tell them. How much is a ticket? Let me go in there and tell them. That person who knows who is going to go. But yet, at go and put their Black Lives Matter T-shirt on and put their rainbow flag on in their hat at the table, they're gonna be quiet at the table, right? They're gonna be quiet at the meetings, cause they, you know, I don't want to be the one that is always saying this thing. You know, they're the, they're not they're not doing the work to 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 deconstruct. Personal one-on-one anti-racism is lovely. It's lovely. It's nice to be kind. But if you cannot recognize that the system is what continually perpetuates our access, continually perpetuates a narrative that black and brown people are not worthy of human decency, then you are not helping the cause. Okay, and I'm not saying everyone has to be a, a you know a justice warrior, but I'm telling you, if you look at your $5 and where you spend your, to pick up your coffee and you ask questions, it makes a difference because one thing that this system works on, capitalism works on money, okay? And as long as you aren't watching where yours goes, the background of the system is what it is. And we know that what the background of the system is, say it with me, y'all, racist. Okay, okay. And I definitely... Focus on racism, because if you're not focusing on black and brown people, you're missing the whole point. We are the most intersectional community and group in the globe around any of these issues. Yet we are the least resourced globally. So if you are not going directly to black and brown issues and starting there when your equity and your, your anti-racism efforts, you're not doing the work. And if you are not looking at yourself about in your day to day activities of how you perpetuate this is hard work y'all this is hard work i mean I'm asking you to like look at your hair look at your what what goes on how much how much black is in your home you know like I love watching these commercials there's like a commercial for Fred Meyer Kroger line right, and it's got um some some hip-hop song on it, and they're, all of them are dancing. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how much money they actually donated to any black causes, but they show enough using the black music to sell their, their stuff. These are the questions that you can ask yourself before you patronize, before you go and are a patron to, to anything. Follow your money. We are. We know where you, we know what you support. Not by what you say, but by what you do. And these things matter. It's 2022 and we're still looking for people who are true. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it did. It's nice. Anyway, all I'm saying is that I just got off a phone call with some colleagues of mine, all black and brown, amazing, amazing women, that do amazing work across the nation, and they are all sick and tired of allies that are not allies. <laughs> and everywhere you look, that's who we find. It, people, white folks got tired real quick and didn't ask about the marathon. They just wanted to be out front, running fast in the first yard, the first you know, 50 yards, 50, 50 meters or whatever. We told y'all this was a lifetime effort. We told y'all that this does not require, this, you will not get a cookie at the end of the week. We told y'all you will find that sometimes the value, the, the value systems of anti-racism and a, moral sound, a morally sound uh, space in your heart so you can sleep at night may not be matched to the family that raised you. We told y'all. We came in this, you know, transparent as hell. We told y'all. Where'd you go? What, what happened? You didn't believe us again? Still not listening to black women? Still not listening? You know, I mean, here we are with Roe v. Wade. Still not listening? Because in 2016, you know, 2008, 2004, 2000, and I can keep going back and back and back. How many times we can go all the way back to, you know, I mean, we can go all the way back to, to Jim Crow. How many times have black women said this is what needs to be done in order to get out of here for everybody, even though black women are the least benefit, benefited group? Think about it. Think about it. Major movements in this country, black women, have been the push, a backbone. Yet, for some reason, there's still a question mark. This is not about us. <laughs> this is not about us, but this is definitely about you. So, I, you know, I'm, you know how I am. This is Black Girl from Eugene. I am going to put it out there, how I feel and how I see and how I think about things when I'm looking around, but the conversation that I had with these very powerful, very uh, savvy, extremely instrumental black women across this country doing the work, we sat for an hour at a decompression hour that I lead. And in that hour, we discussed very, very, very candidly how white women who have have stated themselves, who has placed themselves in the role of allyship have now gotten in the way. Once again. And so it's up to me for me to be who I am is to bring it to you. And think about in your, you know, if you've called yourself an ally or if you've believed yourself to be an ally, why? I mean, if you've got the answers, then press on, sis. And that's for everybody who's saying they are an ally or they are anti racist because you have it in your heart is not enough. It has to be a verb. This is not a question of your goodness, okay? This is not a, this is not a press to, your, to, to who you are as a person. It's a press to who what your values are and how you choose to implement them and invest and commit. Because the people that you're saying that you are committed to, saying that your wellness is tied to our wellness, we're, we're calling bluff. We're not feeling it. So I'm just bringing it back to you, not feeling it. So maybe we need to come back to center. (laughs) Maybe we need to come back to center and breathe it out and say, what did we miss? Because this is where we're at. This is where we're at. We're tired. Black women have been tired for centuries, okay? But we're tired, tired now. You know, it's the worst to have someone come into your your space and say, "I want to help," and then when you get there, I'm gonna help, and then they 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 you know don't know how to use the brush and won't ask for help and and just like sitting around doing what they do, and you're like, "What are you doing here?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm just here for the cause." No, says you're not. <laughs> you are in the way. There is access. The thing is, is that I don't understand. I don't really believe that you understand what access we're even talking about. I mean, do you you really think it's, it's, there's so many layers to white supremacy culture. If it reaches for you to just, the best that you can do is not say a microaggression, that's good. That's good. And we appreciate that, but that does not make you anti-racist. That actually just helps you share space. Again, I cannot, I cannot, um, reiterate this enough anti-racism means you have are doing 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 something systemically within the system to create access i mean even if it's the excuse me boss where is the scholarship for for anybody doesn't matter where you work excuse me boss where is the access where is the leadership representing who we are, who we get our top dollar from, or wait, what's the cause of our nonprofit? Oh, who does this, does, does our specialty have a, have a, what, it, what is the rate within our specialty of the disproportionality of black and brown people? Oh, wow. Yeah. Over 40%. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe we should focus in that community. Yeah, not just because what's around you is all white, but because the issue that you say that you are trying to work against is actually an issue for people of color. Start there and you will fix and help everyone above instead instead of ignoring and stomping on everyone below. When really the issue that you work for, like your core mission has to do and it's directly related to the disproportionality of, of, of health care access, of education access, of, I mean, of food and, nurture, uh, and nutritional access. Like, honestly, pick something. Black and brown people are not equitably there. So whatever you're doing, trust me, it can be helpful to, to, to the community. Like I said, I live in the Pacific Northwest at the moment, and I've lived here most of my life, at least more than half of my life, I was born here. I know very well that there are very few Black people here, but very few is not zero. And even if it was zero, white folks need to be anti-racist regardless. Black people don't need to be in the room for that. And if that's why you're doing your anti-racism studying or anti-racism rearranging of your work... Because black people are showing up, then you're already on the wrong path. This is not about black people. This is about human decency and moral responsibility to your fellow people. We have to start where do you recognize black and brown people as equal to you? That is a question for your internal process, for your socialization. That's a deeper thought. That is where you start. Not with, I just didn't touch her hair even though I wanted to. Not there. That's not where you start. You start within, and you ask yourself, where did I get this belief about black and brown people not being capable? Everything that white society, everything that White supremacy society and culture, everything about day to day life in America has thrown nothing but crap at black and brown people. And black and brown people are still working right side by side, taking the heat and doing the job. So how, where and why in our minds or in your minds that you would look at a a black and brown person and go, wow, I wonder how they got here. Once again, black women are the most uh, educated people in this country. Again, that's factual. Look it up. So, I mean, where did it come from? It's socialization, and at this point, before you want to jump into, you know, you know, fist up, yay, yay, we're fighting for all women. The truth of it is, is that this issue of of Roe v. Wade could have been avoided, you know, several times if we would have first addressed racism. If we would have first addressed Uh, patriarchy, because patriarchy is a major backbone of white supremacy culture. But see, you guys, you know, it was, that was missed. That was missed. Didn't, didn't connect. Didn't connect. And I just want you to understand that Roe versus, Roe v. Wade is horrific. I I mentioned this last week. But I'm going to tell you in real talk, black and brown people have been denied this, this access over the last 50 years, ever since. Ever since. Ever since. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Check out the disproportionality. Look it up. It's not even hard, honestly. It's right there. And then what we'll say is like, damn, how do we not know that? Trust me, black and brown women don't know that either. Right? Some of these folks are in these these parts of this country that are like, isn't this how it is everywhere? No. No, it's not. No, it's not. So anyway, I know I started off. I came out swinging, <laughs> but you know I love y'all. And It's the way it has to be when it's just this repeated issue, and you have to like look at it and be like, okay, that's enough. Stop. Stop. You know it's got it's gotten so bad out here that we can no longer pretend. I mean, nobody wants to be like, oh, it's either or, because you know that we don't know about we know about that thinking. But when it comes to life and death, there is a line, and don't think that this is a dramatic replay of of racism this is i mean do we really have to go have we slid back so far to recognize that i mean to not recognize that death is imminent for black and brown people when it comes to the system like i mean you've been watching it right like we're we're in the middle of a, a gr- of of just just regular mass shootings and regular you know, into, into vulnerable communities, at regular Jewish communities, black communities, children, of brown children. You know, mental health is an issue. I mean, come on. It's here. So we're not actually sliding back into believing that it's not that bad, are we? Are we? Because you know if that's what's going on, I mean, you, it, the, the disconnection is real. That, that need for comfort is blinding yet again. That deniability is too easy. So just know I do take it personally <laughs> when it comes to people who I love that, that are negotiating it. Because it hurts me too to have to walk away. You know, it hurts me too, but this is, this, I, can't, I, I can't afford it. Do you understand? Like the affordability of denial costs me my well-being. It costs me my life. I mean, I was beat from an inch of it in 2015. I told you all about this. That was just, that was my awakening. You know what I mean? So this, so as we come into 2022 and 2023, we definitely got to know that this is something that is, is a a non-negotiable. At this point, we understand the depths of danger. So if you really are still negotiating that, I get it, it's difficult. Nobody wants to have to say bye to your boyfriend or bye to your dad or, or at least if it's not bye, it's distant. That's terrible. But you know, we're doing it too. We're doing it too. And it's because we cannot continue to have the wolves or the snakes in the grass and think that we're safe. And I know it feels really horrible to be considered a snake in the grass when you're just like, uh, this work is just really, really hard. I do know it's really, really hard. I do this work all the time. I'm not blaming people who are doing the work. That is not what I'm doing. But what I am doing is that saying is that you cannot stay in that space forever and be considered an ally. You won't be considered an ally. Once again, it's something that you cannot choose and your inconsistency of thought and of action will not land you in that field. You will be doing what you consider the work, spinning your wheels. No one of color is considering what you're doing is helpful. You are getting in the way. You need to do something in your sphere, in your life, in your access to deconstruct so that black and brown people can can lead. Black and brown people can speak. Black and brown people can be present without the danger of their lives being taken and or threatened. That is what that it's real work, y'all. It's hard. So so ask for help from each other, right? From each other. Look at people who have been called an ally, who have been held, you know, held next to black and brown people as as. In sistership and sisterhood, who are doing the work, who are in stride. There, there are white folks out there in stride. Watch them. See what they do, not what they say. They are doing. And that's where we are. That's where we need you to be. And if you're not there, that's your goal. Okay, that's your goal. And if you can't get there, please step aside until you are ready. No judgment. Just get out of the way. No judgment. This is hard. So please stop saying that you're an ally and an anti-racist when truthfully what you're doing is dabbling in the truth and a reality that you have just learned. And you don't want to be working within a discriminatory practices. But it doesn't mean that you don't contribute to them. Right? Right? That's a, those are different things. Those are different things. You know, there are definitely, you know, some really nice white folks who are straight up racist. I mean, I live in a, a wildly racist city full of very nice liberals. Wildly racist. My, my circle is, is alarmingly small, okay? You have to understand Nobody gives any Fs for your love, light, and compassion from a distance. None at all. And for those of you who are taking the work that you do and splitting profits, gaining access, who are, who are um, setting, up, setting up work and concerts to benefit people of color, that's a good step. That's a good step. Keep moving. Keep it up. Understand, one good act does not, cover a, does not cover or replace the fact that you are not willing or not yet ready to release the systems in your life that still perpetuate racism, that you're not handing over time and money to corporations, institutions, nonprofits, practices, sports games, all of these things that are still vehemently racist. The two don't cancel each other. the, the good deed does not cancel that uh, unwillingness to to really step up. It just tells that you're that you're working on it. No, 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 uh, no beef. You're working on it, but don't say that you're there. <laughs> you're not anti racist. Not yet, not yet. But I like the energy. Don't hide behind that. There's lots of work to be done. And doing that is a good idea. When I say that, I'm talking about supporting black and brown businesses, sending out, you know, uh, um, pieces of your, of, you know, like, for instance, artists are doing work and then uh, splitting proceeds amongst a, a black business that they know or communities that they know and doing that work. That's very nice. That's very nice. And I can, I can raise you. I can raise you some, some more activity. Some more actual, like, internalized processing. How do you show up in spaces? How do you witness spaces? How do you witness black and brown people? How do you process your life, the things that you have in your life? What do you, what do you name can you name it? Would you want to name it? How do you teach it? How, how often do you, do you correct people? Is the art and the music that you love black? Do you know the origins? You know, just try to get in it. Look at your own internal processing. Look at how you show up. What do you know about white? You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm gonna leave you with that on this Sunday. These podcasts are are short and sweet. Um, we just had uh, in Oregon this institution, Oregon Country Fair, wildly, wildly racist and and extremely sexist, and uh, just actively supporting and and actively protecting practices that are racist. Um, so I'm going to have some people who have been on a committee that has, was working vehemently against the board and against the systems within Country Fair to try to open this, uh, this million-dollar institution uh, to, to br- embrace anti-racism. Uh, this institution is so problematic. I mean, it's, it's, so pro- it's, so, it's so deeply problematic. I mean, it's literally built. On, on indigenous burial grounds and they know it <laughs> and gives no Fs about it. Um, it was 50 years ago, built by a bunch of hippies. I have history in that history, um, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all of it in a couple weeks. I'm going to grab a few folks from different marginalized communities who have been working um, really hard with this, with this institution and, and pretty much this year just stopped. And and has closed the door on and it. And it's pretty tragic. It's pretty sad. Um, but I want y'all to hear the process and I want y'all to hear the work uh, that is being done in a lot of these institutions in the back. People who are really putting sweat, blood and tears. Uh, and and uh, because of lack of allyship and because of lack of white people with power. Uh, really getting behind the discomfort of being that one in the room who will not move the meeting forward, without uh, real, you know, without real uh, teeth in the in the resolutions being su- suggested by Black and Brown people, you know, uh, the, because of the lack of that and the lack really of understanding how this is this works, um, it it just won't go forward. It won't go forward. So uh, we will have those po- folks on my podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, before I go, I want to say that yesterday marked the year of my mother's passing, and it was a exhausting day. I think I cried every hour until midnight. Uh, but you know, one year has gone through. We have gone through the ones, the firsts, and um, it has not gotten any easier. And I really, truly, still can't believe that she is gone. I don't quite. I haven't quite grasped that. It just is a little too big for me still a year later. For those of you who have lost a parent, who have lost someone you are close to, me and my mother did not have a contentious relationship. We were very, very close. She was very, very close to all of her children. She had six of them and a bonus child who she was close to as well. Um, So this this is a huge destabilizing loss for our family. So we're one year in. We made it through. Uh, almost without any hitch. We had a couple hitches in the middle there, but uh, not to be, not expected. And here we are. And uh, I want to just give thanks to everyone who stuck with me this far and who have uh, been able to to support my work, even when my work got a little unstable in between with the consistency of videos and, and uh, audios and all that good stuff. But I think I might be back on the stride of things so um, I want to give love and and recognition to anyone who's lost a family member and recogni- recognition to my mom um, and my family and the love that we have had um, <clears throat> to hold on to and review and remember over these last 365 days. It's been hard. It's been heavy. But here we are. We showed up. And that is all due to the love and and depth of commitment my mother showed us throughout the years. And so I share that with you. I am committed to this work. I am committed to teaching and for people to understand and to process, I'm here for it. Um, But you know me, Black Girl from Eugene, I can't let it go by without saying something. (laughs) So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of this, uh, of summer, of this July. Like, I, I hope to see you again next week. You know, I'm trying to get back into the groove. So if not, um, the week after, but I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're, we're back in. All right. With all love and respect, love on each other, hug on each other, be real with each other. Authenticity gets you where you want to be. All right. Peace out, y'all.